Good morning, church. Let me welcome you to this service. This is a wonderful morning to be together. I have so enjoyed singing the hymns this morning. Come thou fount of every blessing. What a generous hymn to sing on a day like today. I will tell you that I am thrilled, honored, actually deeply grateful that I am part of a generous church. As we saw in the bumper video there of the weaver weaving together that beautiful tapestry as we're woven together, one of the ways that we are woven together is to share life as a generous church. I'm pleased that we have participated in offerings like Alabaster Offering and helped along with thousands of other churches to give over $110 million to build facilities around the world and mission fields where it wouldn't be possible without those pennies, nickels, dimes, and as Pastor Brad says, the large bills. Do you know about large bills at Fuller? I didn't know about them at Point Loma. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) But what a joy it is to be part of a generous church. How many of you have a generous friend? Generosity is expressed in many, many different ways, not just financially. I'm blessed to have generous friends. Friends who show up. Friends who extend grace and mercy to me. Friends who are generous with their encouragement. Friends who are generous with their prayers. That's all part of the fabric of being generous. But this morning in this particular message, I want to speak about stewardship and generosity in the sense of the provision that God makes possible through us for the ministries of the kingdom and the ministries of the church. I make no apologies about preaching on stewardship and giving. I hear preachers are afraid to preach this sermon, Bob. I am not. I actually love preaching about giving. Because it is an opportunity for me to describe reality in the kingdom for the participants of the kingdom because it is the opportunity for me to invite you all into a place of generosity in which there are great blessings, there is great hope, and there is great experiences of God's provision that you may not have experienced before. I'm going to ask a question similar to the one that Pastor Mateo asked. How many of you have a story of being asked by God to give an amount and you wondered, I don't know how that'll happen, but you gave it out of obedience and then God blessed you? Let me see your hands. I had a friend some years say to me, you know, Pastor, God asked me to give and it was a fairly significant amount beyond our tithe and our offering. And so I wrote the check and I went back and God bless us, we never missed it. I would just say to us, church, 
that when the people of God respond out of hearts of generosity to the things of God, God's provision, as was read to us in the scripture this morning, is beyond our knowledge and our awareness, but none of that happens without our obedience, without our willingness, without our openness. Now, I also understand that sometimes in a group this size, there are some folks saying, here we go. I preached on tithing one time in a church I pastored, and a gentleman walked out and greeted me on the way out the door after the service said, you can't tell me what to do with my money. And I said, brother, I'm not telling you to do anything with your money. God is inviting you into a place in which God can make provision and bless you in ways that you can't even imagine. Now, I have to tell you, I am not a believer in name it and claim it theology or health and wealth gospel. You do this, God does that. I don't believe that stuff. Because when God invites me to give, he may do something else. He may provide for me in other ways, but there is provision that is made. We heard it in those two passages from Philippians and 2 Corinthians this morning as they were read. And so this morning as we think about what it means to have life and to share life in a generous church, I just ask that you be open. I have no idea what your practice is. I don't. I do know that there are two standards of giving in the, in the scripture. There's the Old Testament standard in Malachi chapter three, verse 10, bring all of the tithe, the tenth, into the storehouse. And then there's a New Testament standard of generosity that we read this morning in the scripture. And quite frankly, I really don't have difficulty with either one. If you want to choose the 10% Old Testament standard, I'm okay with that. If you want to choose a generosity standard, I'm okay with that too. I'm also aware that there are folks, there are preachers say, you know, that the tithe is Old Testament, we're not under the Old Testament. And I understand those arguments, but can I just say to you, I'm a whole Bible preacher. Amen. <laughs> Because I believe if we will respond to either standard, God's blessing is ours. God's provision is ours. And I understand that some people say, you know, Pastor, I don't know how I'd do 10. We'll do two. Start small, begin. Wherever you begin is an expression of your faith and trust in God. Don't be afraid of it. But this morning, I want to suggest to you that the opportunity to be part of a generous church is not rooted in our balance of our financial accounts 
but life in a generous church is rooted in our understanding that we have been blessed by the generosity of God. And here's a statement of generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Life in a generous church is rooted in that fundamental understanding that because God has given so much to me that has made life-changing difference in me that I am called to be generous in the same measure that God was generous who gave his most precious gift to you and to me. Biblical generosity is rooted in a question that's an extension of that understanding. Question Paul asks in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, when Paul says, Everything you've been, everything you have has been given to you. Is there anything you have that hasn't been given to you? In other words, whatever you and I have has been given to us by the hand of God. And therefore it belongs to God. And rather than being owners of what God has given to us, we are stewards and the difference is that stewards recognize that they are entrusted with those assets rather than owning those assets. It's the difference between grabbing on and letting go. I recognize that that kind of biblical thinking is a challenge to the financial system of reward in our culture. Because our culture, our economic culture says to us what? Grab all you can, keep all you can, enjoy all you can, because it's yours. And so generous living in a generous church actually becomes a way to practice resistance to the culture that seeks only for one's personal gain. Because if you're committed to giving it away, in biblical generous ways, guess what? we are then making conscious decisions about some things that we're not going to have, that we're not going to possess, so that we can, in fact, give to the kingdom and let God do what God does. Think about this with me this morning. How did we get here in this space? You and I are beneficiaries of a legacy of generosity for those who are no longer with us, but who gave generously, believing that there would be a place in the future that would be needed for ministry in this community. There is a legacy of generosity. That does not make us owners. 
it makes us stewards of someone else's generosity. And that's a biblical concept because the kingdom of God and the church is perpetuated by God's generosity invested in people who become generous and respond generously. Are we okay? Nobody's walked out yet. But think about that. Think about how blessed you and I are by the generosity of others who we never have met, whom we never have known, but they gave with an eye in the moment and to the future, and here we are. Oh my. I don't know about you, but that both blesses me and burdens me. It blesses me and creates responsibility in me. Because you and I become stewards of what's been entrusted to us and to participate in the legacy that says we're going to participate so that someone else can be a steward in another day, in another season. It's the legacy of alabaster offerings. It's the legacy of different things that are given. And I want to say to you, thank you, because this last year we have asked you, not just for the tithe, we've asked you for offerings in response to human suffering for Ukraine, for Haiti, for other places where disaster has struck, and you have responded generously. We're getting ready to send some young people to Nazarene Youth Congress this summer, and some of you are responding generously to that. Thank you. That will change their lives. It will shape them. And we can go on and on and on, but let me suggest to you that biblical generosity cannot be delegated. For one of the temptations when, when we're invited to give the tithe or the generous offering, the temptation is to say someone else will. So I don't need to do quite as much. Or I don't need to because give because someone else will. You cannot delegate our individual responsibility of generosity. God does not come and say, dear brother, I want you to be generous so that someone else, I want you to be generous so you can be generous. And so that call, that call to generosity is stretching. It is stretching. It invites us to step into places in faith that we may not have stepped before. Here's an idea, Pastor Brad. 
I'm not picking on you, by the way. But what if God would say to some of us, thank you, 10's good, but how about 12% or 13 or 14 or 15? And some of you just took a deep breath. See, friends, biblical generosity is not limited by a number, but is expanded by a call of God on our lives. We're coming up to church elections in a few weeks. The nominating committee will be gathering, and the nominating committee will be considering names for consideration. We have a an agreement that we ask every nominee to sign if they're going to be nominated to the church board, that they acknowledge that they participate in the practice of generosity and tithing. You see, I happen to think it's inappropriate for someone to be determining how the resources of the church will be utilized when they're not giving to those resources. That's not stewardship. And I want you to know that when you're voting, you're voting on people who do that. In other words, they have lived in the space of faith in such a way that they understand that what they're going to be responsible for is God's and they are stewards of it, not owners of it. They also understand that it's the aggregate collection of all that we're participating in. that they are responsible for. So you can have the highest confidence that those folks are giving what they're stewarding. And so here we are with this great question of biblical generosity How will you and I respond to the call of 2 Corinthians 9 and Philippians chapter 4? I I noticed something this week as I was preparing this sermon that in the Philippians passage, Paul is giving thanks for the church at Philippi for their care for him. In the Corinthians passage, Paul is teaching the Corinthians what they need to be doing. Because if you read in chapter nine, go back to chapter eight, and in chapter eight, Paul gives the illustration of the Macedonian churches who are poor and yet they're generous. And biblical generosity is not about an amount. Because the Macedonian churches were poor but they gave generously. One of the temptations of avoiding stewardship is, you know, I can't give very much and it won't make very much of a difference. And I've heard that statement. I was head of fundraising for Point Loma Nazarene University for about 15 years. I've had people say that to me. I have asked people for millions of dollars. And I've asked people for $10. Well, it's not very much, it won't make a difference. 
it makes a difference when it's gathered and added to. So if the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart and says, just give. Paul says, give whatever you've determined in your heart to give for God will respond generously to you. So if it's $5, $10, $1,000, whatever it is, generosity is not a number. It's a posture. It's a disposition. It's a place of faith that says, whatever it is God invites me to do, asks me to do, I will do, believing that God will provide. Sometimes young couples will ask Jonah and I, do you have any advice for us? Do you have any wisdom for us? We have one piece of wisdom. And it's been garnered from 45 years of marriage, you know, life together. One piece of wisdom. And it's this. God provides God always provides. God has always provided. And that's my testimony to you. As a fellow believer, as part of the tapestry of grace of the church, as your pastor, I would just say to you, God has always provided. Anybody else have that testimony? Thanks be to God. And if you're new to the faith, if you're new to the idea of generosity, Look at the witness of those who say God has always provided. Let that be your witness. Let that be your testimony. Let that be your faith space in which you live in, by which you make your decisions. And I think about this community of faith. And we have come through more than we ever thought we could come through in these last several years. Pandemic, loss, transition, complete shutdown, starting again, and here we are. There are some seasons of life in the church in which there is just enough. We've been in that season. It's time for us to be in the season of abundance so we can think and dream and envision what God would do with resources beyond what we currently have. And so I just say to you, Be generous. Hear the voice of God speak to you. Trust the voice of God and trust the provision of God when you respond to that call or nudge or inclination. And if it's not your habit to give, let me encourage you to begin 
Begin developing the discipline of faithfully giving every week, every other week, every month. Just start. Just begin developing the discipline. And if that's new and foreign to you, it's okay. It was new and foreign to all of us at one time in our lives. This morning, if it's new to you, this morning when you leave, I've placed some envelopes on the three tables at the doors. When you leave, you grab a little package of those, take them home, set them on your dresser, set them someplace in your home, and just say, you know, God, what would you have me do with these? What would you have me put in these? And then bring it back, put it in the box or five boxes around here, drop it by the church office, mail it, do it online, use the QR code. How many of you know what a QR code is? Anybody use a QR code? There's a QR code in your worship folder, Bob, that you can use. Take your smartphone, take a shot, it'll open up. You can write in an amount, make a gift. But think about this. If God invites us to generosity, what God is really inviting us to is God's provision. And so what I want to invite you to is that if you take that step of faith and it's new to you, that when God provides for you, come and tell me that story. And I've loved hearing those stories over the years where they are blessed and they are hopeful and become part of the fabric of life in the tapestry of grace in which the history and legacy of generosity is perpetuated again because we have collectively chosen to be generous in response to the call of God.